the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to this 820 AM The Word broadcast special, Heart of the City. Pastors, ministry leaders, and churches have received a call to serve their communities with the love and compassion of Christ. The call is from God's heart to the heart of the city. Well, welcome to Heart of the City. My name is Adrian Tijerina, your host, Director of Local Ministry right here at 820 AM The Word. Thank you so much for tuning in. You know, this program really exists for you, the listener, because, you know, one of my greatest passions is to see you connect with ministries and things that are happening right outside your door. Because as a, as followers of Jesus, we want to be people that are plugged in. We want to be people that are using our gifts to bless those around us. And this is an opportunity for me to share amazing churches and ministries happening right outside your door. Today, I have the amazing privilege to have Pastor Kyle Van Tyne of Rainier Valley Church. He's right here in the studio with me. Thanks for coming in, brother. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. You know, this program really exists because I get to interview pastors and have our listeners connect with the people behind the ministry. And, and thanks so much for coming in. It's a, it's a pleasure to have you here in the studio. You bet. That's a very worthy goal. I know a lot of folks uh, find churches. The front door is the website. Uh, but I think this is a great resource because you can hear the heart and uh, the life experience behind each church. So I love what you're doing. Yeah. Well, you know, on that note, I always love to start this program by talking to you, Pastor Kyle. <laughs> May I just call you Kyle? Because, sure. you know, at, at, before we become ministers of the gospel, before we even step into, you know, the, the, the calling of God on our life to enter into whatever work He has for us, we are just people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're people who, who came to know the loving, saving grace of our Lord Jesus. So, Kyle, I'd love to talk to you. Just if you could share with us your testimony, your journey with Jesus, and you know, how did you come to know Him? And really, when did you know that you were going to enter into pastoral ministry? Yeah, absolutely. Great question. And so, for those listening, um, especially if you're in the city of Seattle and not connected with the church, I do hope that this is helpful as you kind of hear the story behind the name or the website. Um, so, So for me, I grew up in a military family. I was a military brat. Um, My dad was a special forces Green Beret. And so sort of the elite of the elite. We traveled around a lot. Um, We were involved in various churches growing up. And uh, it was a very busy and hectic life. Um, (laughs) We basically would live out of a suitcase and uh, uh, got to see a lot of uh, places and connect with lots of different people. But it was interesting because spiritually growing up, um, I had a very cultural Christianity, meaning that um, I would say I'm a Christian because I'm a relatively good person, you know, and... um, in the money, it says, in God we trust, one nation under God. My dad's in the military, so I think I'm a good person. Sure, I'm a Christian. And so that was my uh, sort of upbringing, very nominal, very um, cultural, very little content whatsoever. And so like uh, many who may even be listening, uh, when I hit my teenage years and it was up to me 
whether I wanted to go to church or not, I was instantly out of there and on to other <laughs> things. To me, it seemed disconnected uh, from reality. And often, to be honest with you, it felt like something that people went and did as a sort of comfort that had no connection with the rest of their life. So it was something to make you feel good on Sunday, and then you're this other person for uh, you know the rest of the week. And so uh, what happened to me was uh, kind of a, a, sadly, a fairly typical story with a lot of folks um, in the Seattle area, which is growing up through teenage and young adult years, um, really not caring a whole lot about uh, Christianity, faith, the Bible, scripture, anything like that, um, just sort of doing my own thing and um, increasingly becoming sort of more um, angry and bitter. Hmm. <laughs> when you uh, leave faith, um, you're not neutral. Uh, essentially, at least my experience was I wanted everyone to believe and live like me and think what I did. And so I became uh, an atheist, not a good atheist, uh, didn't read the books, didn't have a great um, <laughs> handle of the arguments, um, but just a very sort of bitter, disenfranchised church kid that wanted to do my own thing. And so um, th- this is a very long story condensed. Uh, what happened was in my college uh, years, I had a couple of friends, Christian buddies, whom I hadn't seen in several years, and they were uh, wanting to hang out with me, and they said, hey, to hang out, we want you to come to this uh, college Christian group, essentially, and I I had no interest in it whatsoever. (laughs) Uh, To me, one of the, if I, if I, you know, didn't like church, I despised youth group. And so uh, my buddies basically sort of peer pressured me and because I wanted to hang out with them. And so we would hang out after this thing. And so we went and it was everything that I just disliked. You know, there was, it felt very immature. People spelling joy out with their bodies, dancing and singing. And uh, at the very end, um, they did a, a, like a sharing time. And they said, does anyone have any questions? And again, being um, mostly angry, <laughs> Hmm. I remember going, why do you even believe in God? And how could a good God allow suffering? Blah, 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 blah. And uh, everyone just kind of looked shocked, like they had never heard any of hmm. these objections. And what was interesting then, again, making a very long story short, <laughs> over uh, because you know faith is a journey and a process, and it took uh, many, 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 many months. But what was interesting is their response to me was not one of negativity or even belittlement or just passing aside and, and disregarding. Um, there was instantly, there was this long-suffering patience and love. I can remember mm. people sitting with me for hours on end, just listening to me spew all sorts of anger and frustration, hearing me, loving me, being patient with me. And then one of the other things that was legitimate was there was some real questions I had. How can you believe the Bible? How can you believe that there's a good God when there's so much pain and suffering in the mm-hmm. world? I mean, none of these are, are new or novel questions, but they were legitimate questions that I had. And um, these dear Christian brothers and sisters just love me. They took me out for meals. They answered my questions. They got me books. And so the love that they showed me was undeniable. Uh, I could say whatever I wanted about their God, but you know, here's a, <laughs> a meal hmm. sitting in front of me. Yeah. Clearly, the love that they talk about is made evident in the way that they're treating me. And yeah. then uh, just answer after answer after answer to the point where it was kind of like hitting an intellectual brick wall where I realized, okay, this actually doesn't <laughs> – my resistance towards this is more about my past experiences than it is about um, a, a, a logical disagreement. Hmm. 
Yeah. And so anyways, uh, I came to faith in a fairly unique way. Some people um, I've seen, it's just instantaneous and beautiful, and the Lord changes their heart in a moment. And for me, it was definitely a process. But <laughs> when I knew that it happened was uh, I was hanging out with this group of friends, and uh, we would get together. Uh, this is, you know, in young adult life, you, ha- you think you don't have a, whole, a lot of time, but you're actually always hanging out, and you have plenty of time for mm-hmm. social things. And so anyways, we would get together, and uh, we would watch movies and uh, hang out, you know, way late into the night. And so this group of friends, uh, somebody came up with the idea. They said, hey, what if for the next four 40 days. We didn't watch movies, but we got together every night after work and school and we just prayed and fasted. And I remember going, yeah, let's do that. And I was like, wait, what did I just say? <laughs> wow. God have really has wow. uh, changed it, my heart and gotten a hold of me. So that was um, sort of my conversion story in a nutshell. And call to ministry happened pretty shortly after that. Um, I just was immediately um, wanting to tell people about Jesus. And I, I think that is pretty common for anyone who comes to faith. And so what happened was there was one time uh, me and a group of friends were at one of those little, um, it's like a little fair or something that they mm-hmm. set up in a parking lot, you know, of a Target or something, the mm-hmm. rides and all that sort of stuff. And so uh, we were hanging out and uh, we were heading after that to go to a friend's birthday party. And uh, it turns out, I think it was me, I had left my keys on one of the rides. And so me and a buddy who didn't know or love the Lord were walking back to the little fair in the parking lot. And he said, hey, man, what like what happened to you? <laughs> You've turned into <laughs> this completely different person. Wow. And so I just start unpacking who God is, what he's accomplished in Jesus, wow. the cross, the resurrection, redemption, regeneration. Just boom, 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 boom. Yeah. And um, it was in that moment, there was just this internal um, uh, affirmation, sense yeah. of calling yeah. of like, this is what I want to do with my life, whether yeah. it's vocational or non-vocational. I want to spend um, my life, my time, my talents pouring myself out to get this good news out to anyone and everyone who will listen. So um, as I've heard it said, and I like to say myself, I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody. Mm-hmm. And so that's my story in a nutshell. Wow, that's that, what an amazing testimony. And, you know, uh, for me personally, I, I also grew up as a military kid. It's so funny. We have. I feel like there's so many uh, similar things that we both experienced, you know. Uh, I recently read uh, an article that was talking about how military kids are sort of a third culture kid. Yes, the same thing yes. that, that missionaries children might experience yes, when yes. they live somewhere, but they experience, they just come from a completely different sort of, uh, you know, upbringing and everything yeah, like that. Yeah. And so you're confronted with, with this sort of cultural shift once you, once you get yourself out of it. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a, a really astute observation. I was talking with a ministry family that came back from missions work in the Middle East, and their young son just, you know, he was confiding in me, I really appreciate this, just feeling so out of place because he grew up in the Middle East, now he's back in the United States, and he doesn't really know kind of where he belongs. And that's what's so beautiful, you know, as the, the point of this show and something that I would mm-hmm. just encourage all the listeners is that um, regardless of your upbringing, uh, your background, the things that have happened to you, there's a place to belong in the church. That is God's forever family, and you're welcome. And, uh, you know, I was uh, sharing before the program began that it breaks my heart how many people love and follow Jesus 
and are disconnected from Jesus's bride, the church. And so uh, if you're out there and you do feel disconnected, you feel lonely, you feel uh, whether it's a military upbringing or something else, um, I just want to encourage you, the church is a place to belong. Absolutely, absolutely. Thanks for sharing that, brother. Yeah. You know, in your journey then, uh, calling, feeling that call to ministry, you know, we both met having studied at Western Seminary That's right, in Portland. Yep. That's right. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, it's a great to, to make this connection here in Seattle, but what drew you to, you know, study the Bible, I guess, more scholarly in a, in a master's program? How did you sort of come to that decision? A- yeah, absolutely. Well, actually, uh, there's there was a couple of different things, but the first was um, the preaching in my local church. So growing up, I kind of talked about being sort of culturally Christian, and I remember knowing nothing remembering absolutely nothing of the preaching that I grew up with. Um, I've heard it called cotton candy preaching. So it feels really good in the moment and you walk out and it did absolutely nothing. doesn't stick with you. Um, doesn't shape your worldview or the way that you live your life. And so I went to a, a local church. The pastor was a uh, graduate of Western Seminary mm-hmm. and he opened the scriptures and preached in a way I had never heard before. All the power, the authority, the clarity, the relevance of the hmm. Bible. Ju- it was, I, I mean, I'm wrestling for words to articulate what a transformative experience it was for me. And the moment that I sat under that teaching, um, I was 100% in. Mm-hmm. Lord, may you do this through me. May others have this transformative experience. And so, uh, yeah, as I got to know him uh, and hear about his background in education, uh, that's when I knew that uh, Western was the place for me, and I was <laughs> headed that direction. Yeah, it's it's a tremendous experience, you know. Um, I know, uh, you know, I do the afternoon hosting here on 820 AM The Word, and I spend a lot of time, you know, reflecting on my seminary experience and what it meant for me to just study the Word deeply, uh, the life of Jesus, the, the meaning of the Scriptures, the theological sort of things that you have to wrestle with. But then it comes to a point where you just have to learn how to use that and apply that in our everyday lives. And I love that, brother. I love that that you can see something that's so powerful, but then have a desire to just help people to do that on an everyday basis. And that's really what it's about, you know, in, in pastoral ministry. You Absolutely. know, we learn the Greek, we learn the Hebrew, mm-hmm. we get we wrestle with all these topics, but really when, when the rubber hits the road, it just has to do with how do I love my family better? Yeah. How do I serve and love people around me? How do I tell people the love of Jesus, you know, Mm -hmm. in an articulate and winsome way? So I really love that. And if you are listening right now, you're listening to Heart of the City. My name is Adrian Tijerina, the host and director of local ministry here at 820 AM The Word. I'm talking with Pastor Kyle Van Tyne. He's a pastor at Rainier Valley Church. If you'd like more information about Rainier Valley Church, you can always go to RainierValleyChurch.com. That's RainierValleyChurch.com. Or you can always call the number 360 5048929 that's 3605048929 well brother i'd love to continue our conversation you know as we move into uh, what it means for you to serve in the local church um, maybe if you could tell us a little bit about uh, about rainier uh, christian church and or, sorry rainier valley church and just yeah tell us about uh, about the ministry that you're up to absolutely well the mission statement is that because god loves us 
Rainer Valley Church exists to love one another, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ as we serve our neighbors in the nations. And I know my leaders would be so proud that I could remember that off the top of my head. <laughs> but um, we are a, uh, uh, an evangelical missional church in South Seattle. Uh, we are in the city for the city. And um, our heart this year in particular is to be about community, living like a family in, uh, this year. Uh, we're about formation, which is becoming more like Jesus this year. And mission, we want to make an impact in our city. And so it's been such a uh, blessing my previous uh, church experience was m- more in a suburban um, context uh, down in the Portland area. And so uh, moving up here, I was really struck from the uh, the moment that I came to Rainer Valley Church because there was such an incredible richness and diversity um, in the group of people that make up our church family. Uh, practical example of this is I went to one of our small groups and uh, sitting in this circle, uh, you know, uh, reading the scriptures, sharing life and praying for one another, you had a guy who was way up on, in some of the top ranks in Microsoft, and you had another guy who had just gotten out of prison. Hmm. I'm like, okay, this is really unique. This is something that uniquely God does. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's been um, our heart as a church family. And so uh, we have, you know, when we talk about loving the city, um, I think that can sometimes seem sort of sentimental. Like we we live in the city. And so we're also, in our love, we're very aware of the city's shortcomings, and uh, the sorrows that are experienced here. And so, hmm. uh, for instance, as we went through uh, the season of COVID, uh, we were actually preaching through uh, the book of Nehemiah. And one of the things that came up was several of the folks in our church family were really convicted by Nehemiah 2.17, where Nehemiah surveys the city of Jerusalem, which had been burnt down and, and destroyed. And um, he, he, Nehemiah is essentially telling the people, hey, the, the city is in shambles. We are in shame. Let us rise up and rebuild. And so we started a project that we called the Nehemiah 217 Project, Mm -hmm. and it was so great because we came together for worship and fellowship, and then we went out for mission. And uh, it was wonderful seeing our family, uh, church family, and our actual family. Anyways, we were all out there. Mm -hmm. Uh, We were cleaning out, um, you know, cleaning up uh, garbage. We're getting rid of graffiti. Um, If if you have, you know, if you're listening to this program and you lived in Seattle, you you know that (laughs) during COVID, at least for a season, it felt almost post-apocalyptic. It mm. was a really challenging time. And so it was wonderful as a church family. Uh, we talk about having a heart for the city, but to actually get out there um, and clean up businesses and clean up the streets. And uh, we were even in a, a local newspaper and several of the businesses, we were able to build connection and relationship with them. And it was wonderful to get out of you know our seats and out of the uh, four walls of our church building and to actually go out there and bless folks. So that's kind of our heart. In a, in a nutshell, we want to be a family. Uh, we want to become increasingly more like Jesus for the sake of reaching, blessing, and serving our neighbors. I really love that. I mean, you know, a lot of the times when when I talk to somebody about Jesus or about church, you know, a lot of times I can see it almost on their face. It's sort of like this, they want to know how authentic this really is. Mm. They want to know, uh, you know, are, are you just one of those people who talk about love? Or are you one of those people who actually go out and, and do something about what we see? So I love the way that you articulate that. Well, product. I would say, too, if, uh, for those listening, I would say we are uncomfortably authentic. Um, <laughs> there are certain churches you can go into, and God bless them, but they're, they're, um, they're very comfortable. 
And mm. um, we, from the beginning, uh, we met in the, the Seattle's Union Gospel Mission facility. And so we had folks coming off the streets and out of recovery, uh, all different types of people. And so it's one thing to say that that sounds really lovely. It's another thing to live it. Mm. And mm-hmm. so, um, but it does keep you humble and it does keep you authentic uh, because you're having to repent. You're having to recognize your own uh, prejudices and weakness, uh, the way that we love comfort. Um, part of being part of the family of God is to be with people that you're very different. And that's, that's, that's where the beauty is. That's where the enrichment is. That's where you grow to become more like Jesus. So yes, authentic. Yes, challenging. Yes, growing. And praise the Lord for it all. Yeah, I think the growing aspect is one thing. I know even for me, you know, I came to know Jesus at 21. Mm-hmm. And so I had uh, my whole life before me, it was just, you know, being cynical and kind of like casting aside what, what church was. But when I came to know Jesus, I had this change in my own heart and my own experience, and I wanted to live into that. And even even now, you know, years later, I still find myself living in those uncomfortable spots yeah. where you're at, you're in a small group in your community group and somebody's going through something really difficult and you're, you're, you're at a loss for words. Mm-hmm. But really what we need to do as, as followers of Jesus is depend on the Spirit, depend Amen. on that guidance uh, from, from God uh, on how we can serve and minister those around us. So if you're listening to us and you think, oh yeah, you know, you just, you Christians, you know, just kind of step in and, and do all this holy work. It's like, it, you know, honestly, it's, it's not that beautiful. Like you had said, mm-hmm. sometimes it is uncomfortable for me just as, as it is for somebody else. Yeah, and the discomfort is a uh, feature, not a flaw. Um, The way that you grow is to recognize the areas you need to grow in. We actually need to be dependent on others. You were just giving an example of a small group situation, and I'm not a touchy-feely person at all, um, so I need people like that that are willing to cry, are willing to open Mm -hmm. up, are willing to share. They lead and guide me. I also need others who are touchy-feely, and that's their gifting and personality who can go and hug them and and weep and mourn with them. So the discomfort um, is a sign. It's a sign that we need one another, and sometimes it can be a sign that we need to grow, that this is an area that we're actually weak in. And so we, as Christians, if we want to grow to be like Jesus, we have to embrace some level of discomfort. It's communicating something to us. And so I would just say to to your listeners who are disconnected from the life of a local church, it might feel very comfortable for you. But I, I just want to encourage you that discomfort is part of the process of growth. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I would just, <laughs> to, to the listeners, I would encourage you, if you're not part of a church, um, consider, push in, take that step of obedience. The discomfort is a feature, not a flaw, and it's how we grow. I love that, brother. Thank you so much for sharing. You know, if I could ask you, just in your time serving, both in Portland and here, just maybe sort of a, a broader picture, what what has been uh, something that you've seen, uh, one of the greatest challenges for you pastorally, you know, just just as you observe, whether it's, you know, your own life, your own family, the the, the folks that you're, you're plugged in with and, and really living life with, or maybe even larger, just the city at large, what's something that you've just observed, uh, even in your time here in Seattle? Yeah, I love that question. It's so, oh, there's so many different ways I could go with it. Um, I'll just, this, this is the first one that jumps out at me, and that is discipleship. 
discipleship, 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 discipleship. Jesus says that we are to co- to follow him, um, and that is all of life and increasing submission to the lordship of Jesus. Um, being a Christian is not just that, oh, I sort of you know mentally assent to these sorts of facts that, yeah, maybe God exists because he made the world. Uh, Jesus is both the creator and the redeemer of the world, and he's redeeming all of us. So my girls are in a Kung Fu class right now, and they are learning how to, um, <laughs> how to essentially practice Kung Fu by watching their teacher and imitating what he does, the exact moves. And it's just not something like, oh, I want to learn Kung Fu. Okay, you know, here's a book or here's a message, here's a sermon. It is an immersive way of life. They have to practice. It has to become muscle memory. And so uh, one of my um, observations and concerns is that in the Pacific Northwest, it's not easy to be a Christian. And so oftentimes when the gospel message comes out, yeah, I want forgiveness. I believe God made the world. Yes, the, the yes and amen to those things. But part of um, living as uh, the people of Jesus is following him, is being with him, being like him to do what he did. And that means to practice. That means an ongoing life of discipleship. It can be costly. It can be uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. but that's where the beauty, that's where the growth, that's where the lasting joy is. Yeah. Amen, brother. Well, that is the end of our program. I can't believe it. It goes by so fast. (laughs) Thanks so much again for coming in uh, the studio. It's been great to talk to you. And, you know, for all of our listeners out there, um, I know that you're going to want to get connected with Rainier Valley Church. And, uh, you know, if you're here in the South Seattle area, you're not plugged into a church, maybe you attend online somewhere, can I encourage you, just as Pastor Kyle is encouraging us, get plugged in to a a body of believers that are doing something, that are out there, that are ready to to meet with you, cry with you, and and be in community with you, because that's really what it's all about as we follow Jesus with all of our hearts. So thanks again, Pastor Kyle. It's great to have you here. Absolutely great to be here. Thank you. Well, this is Heart of the City. My name is Adrian Tijerina, Director of Local Ministry. If you'd like to plug in with Pastor Kyle and Rainier Valley Church, I want to encourage you to go to RainierValleyChurch.com. That's RainierValleyChurch.com or call the number 360-504-8929. That's 360-504-8929. Thanks so much for tuning in. You've been listening to this 820 AM, the word special, Heart of the City. For more information on how your pastor or your ministry can be featured on A20 AM The Word, go to thewordseattle.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.